early in three, two, one. Welcome, everybody. Oh, man, we have a really great stream planned for you guys today. Thank you guys for joining. Um, so you're here at the Industry 4.0 weekly live Q&A, and we have our guest, Luke Small, on the Community Spotlight today, and we have your host, Walker Reynolds. Wow, we got 15 of you already joined in today. So make sure to like this video, get subscribed, and turn on bell notifications. Share this video out with a friend. You know, we put a lot of work into uh, this live stream for you guys. And so we want to make sure to get this out to as many people as possible. That's why the likes help and uh, everything like that. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, Walker. Hey, what's up, man? So, um, all right, we got five minutes. I don't want to start the thing with Luke for until we start at the top of the hour. What I'd like to do is just for the first five minutes, you know, interact with the community and, you know, do the informal thing. I do want to lay out a couple of things. It is going to be different this week. We were just talking to Luke real quick. For Just so you guys know, I've never met Luke before. This I literally talked for the first time three minutes ago. Um, and we haven't really prepped for the presentation other than I did ask him if we could do it um, a little differently. And we, we are going to do it differently this week, which is which – is, uh, I think you guys will like what we're going to do. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, but uh, how is everybody doing? Um, any, any questions you guys want us to answer before we, before we get started at the top of the hour? How is the audio and the visuals coming in? Is the quality what you guys would expect? Um, hey, David. Hey, Dan. Hey, Liam. Uh, Zach Wooten, my man. Uh, Dr. Riken. All right, Vaughn says the live stream. We're we're using StreamYard, which is a, a new platform that we haven't really powered used by before. powered by StreamYard, not sponsored by it. We're just demoing <laughs> this out. Hey, Cheryl, how you doing? Yeah, I think it looks great, actually. I it looks like me. You notice? What do you guys notice about his library? I noticed it right away. What's the first thing you noticed? Color coded. He color codes his books in his library. I do the same thing. Oh, good job. <laughs> There, you see, we got some common ground to start with. I, yeah, Beautiful. I do the same. I cannot look at my bookshelf and have disparate colors. <laughs> well, what I tell people is it's it's always perfect until you can't remember the fucking color of the book you want to find. You're like, I'm pretty sure that's red. No. no. <laughs> it does um, look great, though. I love it. Um, hey, what time is it? In, you guys are, because uh, of daylight savings, it always changes. Are you guys six hours ahead right now? Where? What, what time is it in Dublin? Oh, I'm in Seattle. Oh, so, you're in you're in Seattle. All right, yeah, cool, awesome. I've, I've been is it raining the... today? No, well, it's 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 trying to. Um, but we had uh, we had a week of. I mean, not not your good weather, but like good weather for us. And of course, that means now I put on shorts. As soon as the sun comes out, I put on shorts and don't take them off until you know Christmas, probably. Nice, awesome. Thanks, I, thanks for that tip, Matt. It does uh, should be a little bit better now in my audio. Zach's mic sounds like it's from a different device, not the mic that's in front of him. Thank you, Paris. Hey, Matt, by the way, Matt Paris, I do have your answer on the group ID thing. Um, I just haven't responded yet. So uh, how, uh, with Sparkplug B, um, the way we're doing it is in the folder path. We're not doing any group ID. Um, I went back and took a look, but I, in order for me to answer it, I'm going to have to like shoot a video to, or at least include screenshots in my response. Um. So when it comes to the group ID in Sparkplug B, the way we're the way we're adding the extra layers is in the tag folder, the tag folder layer, and then we're using the device. Um, we use the device as opposed to a, being a piece of technology, a, a tech device. We're using it as an organizational device. 
hopefully that clarifies it. But I, I will give you a formal answer. Thanks, Mr. Wooten. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for bearing with us as we kind of figure out this streamyard thing. I'm just kind of playing around with it. Um, but yeah, hope this is nice for you guys. So as always, make sure to leave you guys questions in the chat. Um, Look, when, yeah, when, let's go ahead and get started. You want to do that start. video? Uh, yeah. No, let's do this. Let's start here. So this week we have. Is it small? Yep. Okay. Yep. So this week we have Luke Small, um, it, in the community spotlight. Um, you guys, it, Luke's been posting a lot in um, the Discord server, um, and uh, we had a, um, a great exchange that got a lot of great feedback, and I was like, man, we really ought to have him just come on and talk. So, uh, so Luke, why don't you quickly um, you know, introduce yourself, what's your background, how did you join the community, and then, um, and then I'll kind of go into what it is we're going to cover today. Cool. Yeah, and, and look, guys, massive thank you for having me on and um, oh, thank yeah. you for joining us man thank nice to formally meet you on, on, yeah. on a live stream um so it, if i can it, it'll take a few minutes but i think it's important like we were chatting about Please. earlier like what's the common ground and how can i kind of help the discussion with with your community right um so i've been doing this for 20 years now which is terrifying but i was i was doing you know panel building plc integration i was daisy chain daisy chain and eurotherm drives across profi bus not profi net uh, before I even finished college and sort of grew up really with industrial IoT. So over the last 20 years, the, the stack has um, matured. And then I was kind of growing my career and kind of a typical, I don't know if it's typical, but you can imagine sort of a, a corporate career, right, uh, with GE for 13 years and really got to see the ins and outs of what you guys would call the industry 3.0 stack. And um, most importantly, I think for the community and for the discussion today, uh, where that career got me was around 2016. Um, I was really focused on making professional services for GE for their MES uh, software stack a success, right? So I created professional services sales. We didn't have that before. Walker, it actually reminds me of a lot of the stuff you talk about with the challenges you face with Intellic, right? How do we have these really strong conversations with customers and um, the challenge we had as a, as a software vendor was when, when i was at ge hey these these projects were going you know off scope off budget how do we bring this sort of you know integrator professional services conversations sooner in the conversation so i had responsibility for the whole of north america so that was for those of you who know the stack that was the the ge prophecy or ge intelligent platforms uh, stack of, of products, right? Your good old fashioned 3.0 stack. Um, and I was kind of the face of all of the professional services work that we were doing. So pick kind of a brand name across the Fortune 500 inside any of the manufacturing verticals in North America. And I was the guy whose neck was on the line to say, we're going to deliver this project for you, right? And all the work you're doing with the DTMA spot on, right? That's what we were, what I kind of brought into that group was how do we have those kind of conversations, set up the right stakeholders, have the right scope upfront, take an iterative approach, spot on. And um, roll around 2016, and my world just blew up, right? Um, GE decides we are going to be the leaders of the industrial internet. We are going to digitally <laughs> transform, right? You, you, you guys must have lived through this. And I'm going to say right. the P word, which I'm sure will cause a lot of ructions, but you know, it was Predix. It was the, the GE's vision for industrial IoT. Yeah. So you could imagine I had this huge install base 
of customers delivering outcomes, some of the outcomes we still talk about today using this traditional stack. And I was told it's industry or it's industrial IoT or bust. It's predicts or bust. How do we make this work? Um, so my job, and I was lucky enough to do this sponsored by Jeff Immel because this was really his vision. Like I was up at that level of GE making this real. How do we look, take care of this install base? And how do we get net new customers onto this platform? And we were it was a true platform uh, play, right? This was GE. Jeff wanted to own the industrial internet, right? And that He's meant... An, Jeff Immel's an idiot, by the way. Well, no comment. So... Um, <laughs> We can talk about that offline. So, no, but, I, I I told Jeff that he's an idiot. <laughs> I did. <laughs> he's an what, idiot. what was Jeff's answer? Nothing. He, um, you know, the conversation ended when I said that. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's yeah. understandable, I guess. So it's not understandable. He should have defended some of his decisions because GE is an example of what not to do as as a vendor. Yeah, not, and not diminishing you. This these were strategic decisions at an upper level, it was a perfect example of what not to do at the time when GE should have taken the step to lead the, they could have Rockwell could have done the same thing. Siemens could have done the same thing. Aviva could have done the same thing to move towards technology driven approaches to solving problems where the GE stack could become part of an overall ecosystem that included both GE and non GE solutions, right? That this, that strategic decision was not made. And, 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 and that it, it just, it sort of missed the boat in my opinion, but I, I don't mean to cut you off, but, no, no, um, but, yeah, but that's, that's good. Right. And there is, there's a lot more to that conversation. And right. I was lucky enough to be involved in some of those conversations. I don't disagree with what you're, you're saying, but it was never that black and white. You're talking about billions of dollars and you're talking about thousands of people um, and hundreds of accounts. Uh, business, uh, technical business debt is what I like to call that. It's not just technical debt. It's, you've got the, it's the, it's the business debt that you have to also address. You have to deal with, right? It's it's a reality, and and not and I don't mean capital debt. I mean decisions, relationships, previous pricing models, previous strategic approaches, strategic partnerships, all those things. Right. So yeah, I call that the, the only pushback I, I would say, and not to go into this rabbit hole because I I don't want the lawyers calling me when I drop off. But um, <laughs> the, the 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 question I'd always ask people is, regardless of your feelings on that. Is GE to this day a smarter digital industrial business than it was five or six years ago? And I would say yes. And they have gone through the pain and suffering, and the business units now understand this stuff because of that pain and suffering more than most. And I think could, that could you expand on that just a little? I um so in in terms of a what makes you believe that GE is a smarter technical company today is it just a function of the pain the growing pain yeah i i, I think that this is and i'm simplifying it and i'm trying to keep myself in the box but understood yes, understood um i've i've seen what they've done since i've seen what 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 larry culp is doing i've seen them go back to lean and i'm still in contact with some of the folks there and i understand how they're moving ahead and i also was privy to some of the the bigger strategic thinking that I can't talk about. But this idea of if you go through that, and let's say we did a crew or they did a crew some technical business debt, like you said, there's also human capital that was accrued through those lessons learned, which I think puts them far ahead of right, many. Right. right. Excellent. That, that's what I'm going to get that. So um, li lived through that. You know the chaos. You got to call Mr. Imold, an idiot. So 
that's that's a good claim to fame. Um, <laughs> my job, and I won't, I won't mention the account, but by the I, way, I, that's that's not he. No one should be proud of that because I've called lots of people idiots in my career. <laughs> <laughs> so fair, yeah. fair, fair. So, um, trying to figure out 2016, all this stuff is brand new. We, we wanted to be the industrial internet. Had to take care of the install base. Had to figure out what we do with the industry 3.0 stack. But then, most importantly, what's the net new value proposition to bring big logos on and get the critical mass? Like you said, right there, there was some of us there driving an ecosystem platform-based strategy. Uh, so I brought on one of the biggest semiconductor manufacturers in the world, um, and with literally duct taping sensors to the side of equipment, proved some of the stuff we're still talking about today, and we're still figuring out today back 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, and for those of you who know that that industry, uh, there is white papers about it, and you understand how the technology gets adopted in there. And if you can get your stuff into a white paper, that, that normally means you've done something right. So despite the challenges, despite everything that went on inside of that organization, led that program, led that account, really learned what it meant to see the benefits of this newer technology stack. Uh, again, most of not everything I see you, you talk about from a tech perspective, I I fully agree with. Right, unified namespace wasn't as mature at the time, but the, the just that that's the, the basic way I used to describe it was you've got that the same stack, the engineering change required to move through an industry three stack versus I can walk into a fab with a roll of duct tape and a smart sensor, stick it on the side of equipment get data up to the cloud, let the process engineers look at it, form a hypothesis and solve a problem, and then feed it back to the change management if that's what needs to happen. So fully on board with that. Finished that, was at a point in my career where it's like, OK, do I stick around? We, we launched, again, there was an ecosystem play there that you kind of touched on. We, we launched a new vertical together with that semiconductor manufacturer. I went after um, a broader play in partnership um, to figure out if we've got kind of a node on this platform, what's the next node we can bring in? And through that experience, really learned that there is a lot around building the industrial internet that we're not talking about. And there's a lot of confusion around digital transformation. So I decided to by, start my own. By program. design. By, that's by design. Oh, from your side, you mean? No, it's by design. The confusion is on purpose. The confusion... Okay. The confusion is on purpose. That is the large players in the industry. Oh, sorry, I got your saying. Now. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, don't. Yeah. They don't want their goal. They want to. They what they want to do is they want they want to op, they want to create their own definition of what digital transformation is. They want to create their own definition of what Industry 4.0 means, and and what they don't understand, and the, the, you know what they don't understand is that people within the manufacturing uh, ecosystem already know where they want to start. They already know that they, you know, we, we talk about digital transformation and industry 4.0, all about being all about unlocking potential on the plant floor. You know, that, that that's, that's, but when we say that, we don't mean that holistically. We mean it as where your digital transformation journey begins is, uh, is by unlocking potential on the plant floor, enabling OT personnel, people on the plant floor to save you tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars. And and the the players in the industry have never worked on the plant floor. The 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 people who are controlling the messaging have no idea how manufacturing operates. I I I, 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 I joke all the time. 
you can tell the moment somebody starts talking as an authority and they have no idea how manufacturing actually works works all right they, they you know what i mean so, so perfect i'm pretty much with you so that that was the challenge and i lived through and we can get into the definition of digital transformation but a version of that mm -hmm. and i said to your point right there is stuff being held back there is hype and bs being pushed into the market and um, and i see huge potential here um for, for what's possible and i thought people need help people need help cutting through the bs figuring out where to start and then how to get Excellent. to value and um, and out of the gate launched my own firm chakra um one of the very large european oems that have equipment in most plants that you and i would walk into approached me and said we've been watching what you've been doing in your previous role we we that's what we want to do when we talk about digital transformation um so i've been lucky enough for the last two years to basically run an incubator inside of that organization and do transformation our way and i think when we get into the video and we talk about where to start and where to finish i can explain my experience on that um but just to open it up to the community right and, and come here with sort of this collaborative mindset i know that that oem the work we've done right and there's podcasts about it and we can share the links and all the rest of it they are early adopters right they they have gone in their brain end to end from the, the shop floor to remand to service to transformation to an ecosystem and we got to go through that together not everyone's there. So I, I really want to work with communities. This is where I joined the Discord and understand from a nuts and bolts perspective, right? Where I came from, building panels. What does it mean to the person opening that panel and looking at what used to be, you know, a series six? I'm I'm almost that old to some of the cool new stuff that's behind you. What does all the, the nonsense I spout about actually mean to these people? And how do we bring and I, I use the phrase leapfrog, especially with SMB, how do we help these folks leapfrog? The fortune 500 if we can take the big fancy stuff i've done match it to the boots on the ground stuff that you're doing and we find a common strategy in between imagine what that would do for smb and what they could do to compete against some of the incumbents so that, that's where i'm coming from and delighted to get into the conversation excellent what so what i'd like to do is let's watch let's watch so what what the, here's what we're going to do this week guys um here's what we're going to do uh, Luke released a video, I think on the 23rd. So four days ago, we'll share the link with you guys. Um, encourage you to watch it on his channel. That way he gets the traffic there, please. Um, the video is why industry 4.0, I think it says why industry 4.0 will fail. But I think in the video you say, this is why it might fail, right? Oh, it's um, not clickbait title. Yeah. Apologies for that. Yeah. And, and, and so what I'd like to, it's a five minute video. What I'd like to do is watch it. And then I've prepared sort of a response. And in interest of full disclosure, because we've never really done this before, I did. This is the first interview that we've done where I've sort of prepared Luke. Hey, you know, there are, there's lots of places where he and I are in agreement. I would say 90. If you look at the Venn diagram, we agree on 90 percent. Probably the fundamental difference with us is I believe it is about technology. He's got a sign back there. That says it's not about technology. He and he believes that it starts with people. I acknowledge that it's it's technology and people, but I believe technology is, needs to be the priority. Right. And so, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to sort of make my argument for that in, in, in right. my response. And well, there's, then there's other people that would also say this, you know, great. And what I'd like to do is I'd like for us to just have a conversation about it. And, and, and so I want you guys to see the video. 
and then I'll sort of respond to it, and then Luke and I'll have a conversation. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So Zach, we're gonna please. go ahead and play the video. So. Yep. Technology. Let's take it to the whiteboard. Right. I'm gonna start over. Okay. So why is Industry 4.0 not gonna work? Why could it fail? I'm gonna tell you it's nothing to do with technology. Let's take it to the whiteboard. Right. So this is manufacturing, as I understand it. Right. You get raw materials. You get parts and equipment. You, you use those parts and equipment and raw materials to plan to make something. You make it, you transport it, you distribute it, you sell it, and somebody consumes it, right? So a good classic linear supply chain. Most of the industry 4.0 um, thinking, which isn't in itself wrong, is that, hey, if we modernize how we manufacture, let's just focus on make for a second, and we move from older technology to newer technology, this idea that, hey, if we move from a, a stacked approach to a circle in terms of how we move data around, suddenly we're going to transform our whole supply chain and revolutionize manufacturing. This in itself is not a bad thing. I mean, moving to easier to use, easier to adopt tech is great. Uh, it needs to be married to lean principles, process changes, so that you can really make the make pillar work really well. The problem is that the, the, the big expectation we're all setting ourselves is that if we do this, and we modernize all this technology, we're going to suddenly all become uh, the Teslas of the, the world. The, the issue is that relies on a joined up sharing of data across the supply chain and across the manufacturing I love your ecosystem. Uh, again, the technology helps break That's down some of these silos, but I've been breaking down data silos for 20 years. I'll tell you, protocols help, uh, network, better networks help. It's people, it's people that break down these silos. And a big, big issue with Industry 4.0, why Industry 4.0 is potentially gonna fail is that there is a value firewall at both ends of every manufacturing supply chain, except the more transformed ones like a, a Tesla, um, where the, the exchange of data between the people that give you raw materials, the people that give you parts and equipment and your manufacturing um, plant does not exist and is extremely hard to agreed. remove. 100% um, agree. Sesame described this as data impedance, which I love. I call it the value firewall. There is very few incentives for manufacturers to share data back up the supply chain. The same with gotta create them, right? Um, not to mention this consumption model is broken anyway. But that's for a different topic or a different day. Next week on Clubhouse, there's a huge value here. Just think about Facebook. Just think about the the billions of dollars of an industry that came up over the last ten years, to or even less than that. Zach. Just, convince consumers to share data consumers do not naturally share data pause real yes. quick yeah, or, yeah real quick i so real i just want to comment here agree a whole on where your value firewalls are 100 percent the in the fire, facebook comment right is a very good one i would argue facebook didn't convince us to share our data they they didn't what they did was they provided value and at the same time built it on top of a technology stack that made us opt into sharing our data, right? They tricked us into sharing it. Then when people became real, we realized that we were in fact sharing a lot of that data. Some people opted out and some people didn't. Why? Because the results of the value that Facebook gave to us outweighed the perceived risk. But had Facebook initially tried to convince the market, hey guys, what we wanna do is create this behemoth where we're gonna make money off selling how to trick you into buying stuff, which is basically what they do, right? 
they 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 focus ads on you based on what they know about you, then no one would have opted in. So what they did right. was they started with providing the value and and they built it on top of a technology stack that allowed them to um to collect this data and information. Go ahead, Zach. Sorry. So well we can finish Great the point. video. Great point. My question would be how how yeah, would a manufacturer, and this is, I think this is what Luke's point is, how would a widget manufacturer that makes bearings, how would they create a, a and you're saying from the inside out, but how would they create a, uh, an ecosystem where their consumers are opting in to share that data back to adopting them? Adopting the same, not, adop, yeah. adopting, having their consumers adopt the same technology that they've adopted. So if it, you, instead of having smart devices or smart things, smart intelligence on every product we sell, we can create an abstracted smart layer. And we can do that using the unified namespace, right? And, and, and you can do that through software, you can do that through hardware, you can do some of the products we sell will be intelligent. But it, it, uh, the point is well taken, Zach and, and Luke, but I just wanna make the point here, Facebook didn't actually convince us to share our data. What they did was they started collecting it and then some people opted out of it once they were outraged, but most people didn't because the value outweighed their concerns. I just I want to I want to yeah, plant no, that I want to plant that seed right. right I, I think it's important. Let me just agree hundred percent, right? And it was a five minute video, but a hundred percent, right? And I think ultimately, and, and I'm not even going to spit hairs. Agree. Now, where has this not worked? Where has the opting out use cases popped up already? And I've lived them, right? I've got examples yep. of mining equipment, smart connected mining equipment. Yep. The manufacturer didn't tell the mine operator. The mine operator brings it back to the dealer for a warranty claim. The dealer plugs in a smart connected device and says, you've been driving that thing too fast. It's not a warranty void. Smart connected device goes back to the mine operator. Mine operator grabs screwdriver, sticks it through black box, game over, right? So we've lived that before and I'm with you. It's... It's clearly this, I, I'm confused my sides. This poster is is to drive conversation. It right. doesn't happen without it, what I call a digital mindset and the, the underlying technology. Right, we call, it, we call it the industry 4.0 mindset, right? That right. In, industry 3.0 mindset is one of the things that'll hold you back. Industry 4.0 mindset is a mindset that you have to have in order to be successful. Uh, point, point taken. Um, Zach, go ahead and uh, we'll finish it up. Again using Tesla as an example, uh, yes, if you provide value to the consumer, i.e. your car will get smarter, the more data you share, we might share data, but this is not a, a, a natural occurrence. And if we're going to move to industry 4.0, right, this, this openness, this, the industrial internet, right, internet meaning to me, connectivity and openness and availability of data, we've got to start knocking down these value firewalls. So for me, that the biggest reason Industry 4.0 is going to fail is that we're not addressing the business models that exist here and here. So if I sell parts and equipment to a manufacturer, do we have a mutually beneficial business model that will incentivize data sharing? I'm thinking like serviceization, right? Outcome as a service. Likewise, on the other end of the supply chain, as I pause get parts or so right now on the first firewall where that exists is either through vertical integration or strategic partnerships, right? That the way that they're trying to jump that hurdle right now is if I'm the, if I'm the manufacturer, I become vertically integrated with my supplier 
therefore we have we have the incentive to uh, to share the data uh, back and forth with one another. The the real question is is the third party vendors, the third party suppliers. Are we ever going to create? You know, how are we going to create the incentive to do that? That's the challenge, and I'm, I'll respond to that in the. But yeah, again, I, point is spot on. It's that I, hurdle I is so examples where it's it's more than vertical integration, um, which we can chat about for sure. Well, yeah, well, but, all, but but more than vertical and strategic. So, like, say I've got a strategic partnership with a a vendor that I that I I'm not vertically integrated with. That is, we don't have a a legal business relationship. You know, through the structure of the organization but it's a strategic you know finite partnership is it it um it does if yeah. i say if i okay good all right yep. go ahead zach consumables products into the hands of my customer are they just is that a one-time transaction or are they going to actually you know give me data back in exchange for value on an ongoing relationship basis and the huge risk i will tell you if we don't think like this, if we don't start focusing on the business model here and here and changing how manufacturers communicate and exchange value up and down the supply chain, this is how startups think. This is how the, the disruptors think. They think in terms of platforms. They think in terms of value exchange. They look at manufacturing and they think about that like an ecosystem of value exchange. And if you're, no matter what you've done, if you've got the most automated smartest supply chain if you've got the best manufacturing plants in the world if someone looks at your complete value chain and sees a way to disrupt that using an ecosystem approach or a platform approach you're going to get crushed they will yep. uh, beat you every single time um that's one of the huge reasons tesla is doing so well as they think about this from a platform perspective and the the manufacturing part's critical it allows them to do that but interestingly i mean some might argue you've even got the, the brand, the, the, the way people consume the Tesla brand actually gives you a huge amount of brand capital in the manufacturing space. So you've got the, the headroom to make mistakes and actually adopt a lot of lean principles, right? Elon Musk famously sleeps on the shop floor to address problems uh, as they come up. So yeah, that, that's my, my big reason. Yeah. Uh, what we need to focus for industry for this is this is really, really critical. Getting the, the tech right is great but you've got to start playing with the uh, business models. All right, Zach, go ahead and kill it. All right, cool. So let me let me say this. I, I want to point out two quick things before I share my screen. Um, number one, Elon Musk is not like other executives that I've interacted with, okay? Vast majority of the executives I've worked with, okay? And, and I mean, I go in front of board of directors for Fortune 500 companies all the time. I, I mean... You know, I'm a guy who grew up in a trailer park, and I always point out that I grew up in a trailer park. I was a poor kid from a working class family who grew up in the Rust Belt and watched everything move away. But I've got an IQ of nearly 160, and I've gone to elite institutions, and I'm a completely self-made man because I'm a smart guy, right? The thing that stands out to me about most executives is they, they really don't understand that they have no idea what they're doing. They really don't. They, they don't understand that they're not the smart one in their organization. Elon Musk understands that he is not the smartest guy in his organization. He knows what he is really, really good at. Like he, he knows what he's really, really good at. And the reason his companies are all centered around technology is because he knows that he is an outstanding technology 
visionary. He knows that that's what he's best at as an engineer, right? Most of the executives in manufacturing, they come up on the accounting side. They come up on the business side. They come up through business development. They're, I mean, I've never seen a manufacturing engineer in my career. I've never seen a manufacturing engineer running the manufacturer. Never. So, okay? so yep. And, and, and so the, the, the dilemma that we see, the dilemma that we see is that it isn't technical people running manufacturers. It's business people, right? That's why IT is over leveraged. The authority of IT is over leveraged in these organizations because IT is on the carpeted side. They're business people. And so, but the business doesn't happen in the ERP. It doesn't happen on the carpeted side. It doesn't, it happens on the plant floor. Uh, yep. Go ahead. You were going to say something real quick. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm 90% with you. And look, I've I've gone through you know lots of couch time to get over my my GE career. Um, I I think it's a little bit dangerous to simplify the argument and just say you've got Elon Musk and then every other manufacturing executive in the world. I work with some great manufacturing. No, 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 no. I don't, don't, right. don't, 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 don't. Let me let me say this. Uh, let me clear clarify. It, there are many executives out there like Elon Musk. The difference between Elon Musk and those other executives is that those other executives see their vision and the state of their business right now as their competitive advantage, and they don't give us permission to mention their names. That's the difference. The but difference I think is, that they should. I think they should. There are many. By the way, there are many. If you, uh, you know, and I'm going to show you guys a chart of some, you know, of you know, a distribution. In fact, we should do that. We should put a call to the community and say if there's a manufacturer that's open literally open to being open and open to the fact yeah. of allowing me, us to do a DTMA and leverage the fact that you're leveraging Industry 4.0 technology and, and our community, this community, to to be your competitive advantage like Tesla, we should do that, you know? We should, but, you uh, should and, be and that like, case I'll, I'll send you, I'm not going to use their name, same, same yeah. issue you guys have, right? This is competitive advantage stuff, but we've done a podcast together with one of these executives I'm thinking about, and I can share that link and, and the community can go find it. Excellent. Here, but, but yeah, the I, vast I, I, majority of the, the industry 4.0 companies out there that were, and I'm going to talk, do the definitions and all that stuff. They don't want anyone knowing what their competitive advantage is right now. I mean, that is something they are protecting tooth and nail, tooth and nail. The, 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 the leaders, the, the reason, you know, the companies that we mention all the time, Tesla and Amazon, they don't have a problem with you sharing what their competitive advantage is. They have no, in fact, Elon Musk doesn't want to build cars. What he wants to do is save the planet. <laughs> and so he he wants everyone to copy him. And that which brings me to my next point. We were I was doing a digital transformation maturity assessment for a large, one of the most famous automotive manufacturers on the planet. Okay. And there's a guy the guy who's in charge of the MIOT or the 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 IOT initiative that they have, right? That the 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 guy who's in charge of the their current industry 4.0 initiative or I, I, I think he's he's the guy who's operationally in charge of it at one point he said in one of the sessions i am so sick of hearing about tesla he said it like i'm just sick of hearing about them okay and and i said why well, I, I appreciate that i appreciate that you you're sick of hearing about them but that doesn't mean that they're going to destroy you. that doesn't change the fact that they're going to destroy you like there are, ten, there are tens of thousands of Americans, there are tens of thousands of Americans whose jobs are dependent upon your ability to compete with Tesla. Guess what just happened? Well, that, that his decision to, to 
not want to hear about Tesla got overrode by him uh, uh, many levels above him through a strategic partnership that was struck with Tesla. Why? Because if you can't beat them, join them. That's oh, what I love about that story, <laughs> um, and I told all my followers on LinkedIn, so anyone that knows me, you're, everyone's taking a shot anytime you or I say Tesla or Tesla. Um, so <laughs> I, I read a book recently, one of the better ones I've read, right, about what happened to Nokia around the, the iPhone time, right? And there's a, a great story in there where the, the then CEO of Nokia bumps into uh, Steve Jobs at a conference. And says, hey, you know, we really need to talk about partnership, you know, some cooperation, like what's going on. You it's know a what, great story. Yeah. You know what Jobs said was, I don't even see you as a competitor. That's I'm right. competing with Microsoft. I am, I've, while you've been trying to build better hardware, I've built a platform. So I'm competing with the platform players and your model of cell phones is gone. That's right. Um, and, that, and that's where what we need to educate the auto manufacturers on. And some of them are getting it, which is Musk is not, trying to build a better car. He's building a better platform. That's right. And he's going to dominate. Those, those industry 3.0 auto manufacturers, you know what the first thing they'll point out if you mention Tesla? What about the quality issues? What about the, what about the uh, you know, unstraight doors and water leaks? And you know what my response to them is? What does it say about the way that you go to market that the consumer doesn't give a shit about that? The consumer is willing to accept that in order for their car to get better after they bought it. What does that say about your way of thinking? That, 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 that's my first response to them is... No, no, no. All, all we yeah. need to do is get, is get Musk to have you know, self-aligning panels after it leaves the shop. But otherwise, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. exactly. Panels so are pretty brutal, but yes. Yeah, so let me, go, let me go ahead and, and, uh, let me go, ahead and go, go through this, this slide deck here. So just a, a couple, of like, um, couple of points here that I wanted to highlight from the video was... Um, in the so what I did was I put your supply chain here, right? So raw materials, parts and equipment, and then you plan, you make. I'm, not, I'm only seeing uh, the disc or the live stream screen. I'm not seeing a. Um, all right, shared the wrong screen. I think. Oh, you know what? Maybe I have to move this to the same screen. Sorry, hold on. That sounds about right. Uh, I don't think it allows me to share the full desktop. Is what it is. There we go. Um. Share screen, select window or screen, or yeah, um, I think it's this. Nope, um, that. Nope, it is that. There we go. All right, sweet. All right, can you see it now? It's coming. Yeah. So all right, excellent. Well, there we go. So, That's perfect. Yeah. All right. So ju just a couple of comments. So in, in your in the the supply chain here, and this is just nitpicking, but I want to do a clarification. Um, you know, selling comes first. This is a selling is actually at it, it is where the workflow begins, and here's why: it's forecasting, it's forecasting and manufacturing to sale that really drives manufacturing. So that depends on what you're making. Of course, uh, it depends on what you're making. But in le the the it, I'm gonna this will get to my bigger point, which okay. is one of the flaws in thinking in manufacturing is that it is in fact linear, and it isn't. Right. Manufacturing isn't linear. The reason that you need a unified namespace in the middle is that when I get to the make step in the supply chain, MES, SCADA, PLC, HMI, that make step, 
right? There are things that may happen on the plant floor in real time that therefore may, would make me need to go back to a previous step in the manufacturing supply chain, either to notify, to update the mode, or to send results. Same thing with the sales process. If I put sales at the beginning, CRM at the beginning, the assumption is that that the sale of my widgets is a standalone operation, which it is not. Right. It is a, it's a stateful operation. The, the planning is a stateful operation, one that is constantly updating based on, or should be updating based on the results, okay? Um, so, but, but just let me just come back at, at, at sales. Sales should come first, right? Yes. I was just talking about this this morning um, around the apparel industry, right? So apparel, we need to shift from supply chains to demand chains. Apparel is a guessing game, right? You, you are guessing fashion. And you, they get it so wrong, it, it's something like 70% of that stuff that we make goes to waste. Is it because um, you need to make it in order to sell it? No, it's because the way you make it drives you to make it before you try to sell it. Yes. And, and I, I'll give you an example of where we're trying to fix or someone I work with who's trying to fix that. But, but, but I'm with you. I just And I think this is probably where we're going to get to for most of our stuff. How long does it actually take to make a shirt? Like in... in, in, in how long does it actually take to make a shirt? Right. right. I mean, it's probably minutes or seconds. Or minutes or seconds, right? Right. Um, it's all the other stuff around it that makes the lead time on manufacturing shirts prohibited so from manufacturing to order, right? You got a new right, setup, right, right or yeah. something? And look, and just a great example. That's why I say, you know, if we were talking engineer to order, right? So I spent plenty of time in aviation, engineer to order. Right. And then you got this cool stuff, which I didn't know about before I worked in aerospace, of like aircraft on ground, which is... It's like an andon goes off on the shop floor. Everyone stops what they're doing because Boeing or Delta have got a plane literally stuck on the tarmac and they got to remake a part, which I just, I love that. And that's, that's you know, JIT, that kind of works today, just thereabouts. So I'm with you. I, I think the, the nuance and where we'll actually find a lot of alignment is what you're saying is sales or sell should, should be at the start, but it's right. not in every case today. Correct. And not in every case today. Exactly. Right. Uh, point number two, Industry 4.0 is not about a focus on, I just want to clarify this, that Industry 4.0 is not about a focus on transforming the make pillar. Okay. It is about automating the business processes and the business processes are not just internal. The business, pro the business processes also include the, by extension, the suppliers and the consumer, right? Number three, yep. the unified namespace is a single source of truth. It's the structure and the events for all data and information within a business. Okay, so yep. the, the, it, all right, and and when I, and again, when I say within a business, I don't mean just internal. I mean internal and external. And then the last one is when I'm I'm going to refer to stakeholders here in a minute. When I say stakeholders, I don't just mean internal stakeholders. I mean stakeholders at the supplier, the consumer is a stakeholder. I mean all stakeholders as part of this looping chain. So I'm going to come back to your illustration. So, so, wanna... Just one second, because let Please. me just, just yep. tidy up some language, because I, I think this is where we, we've got to be tight between the two of us when we're educating the industry. So if you go back to your your, your kind of clarification points, uh, so I'm not a unified namespace expert. I'll trust you guys are going to figure that out. Um, industry 4.0 should be about focusing on transforming the make pillar, or should be about more. It's I agree with your statement that the video I made was much more how I'm seeing industrial automation players go after the space and there's a real Correct. risk right so let me let me but let me point this out 
I coined the phrase unified namespace. So I've heard. I, yeah, I own unifiednamespace.com. I, I mean, unified namespace is a term. It, it, I, I often laugh at this when someone comes to me and says, or when I see someone use, I didn't say, you're, I'm not saying you use unified namespace incorrectly, but I see it all the time where people use, they, the industry loves to hijack terms. As long as if, if, a, if the consumer says, hey, you know, I saw this guy on YouTube talking about this unified namespace thing. Does your solution does do the unified namespace? And they'll go, yeah. Why? Because they want to sell you their solution. Right. They, they, the, the customer doesn't know whether or not it meets my definition of what a unified namespace is. Someone asked us to do a unified namespace in Wonderware. You know? Yeah. And, and like, you know, you can, so, so well, let me ask you this, Walker. Where, yeah, what, what, what was the date? What was the year you coined that, that phrase? Ooh. Hey, Vaughn, do you know that? For the trademark stuff, do you know what the date was? I mean, I mean, just just a guess, just the year. Like, I, mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe early 2018. 13. But well, 18 was the first on video. 18 was the first time it was used in business. I think I started using it in my first presentation, maybe in 13 for manufacturing. Okay. 2013. Um, so decent long runway, but we know how hard it is to drive change. And so my only clarification is unified namespace should or has the possibility to da 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 whatever the other words you wrote after it are Correct. that's just a clarification i want to drive um and zach already dinged me on my circle wasn't big enough so i'll give you guys a, a much bigger a much bigger circle next time um you just whatever whatever you draw on the paper just draw the unified namespace as a big circle around that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Plus one. yeah. Boom. yeah. yeah. Um, th this is uh, let me uh, let me uh real, i just want to go over just a couple of things i want to lay a groundwork and then kind of talk about uh, I want to use your supply chain and then kind of say, show you how I think, how we go to market trying to overcome the 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 value firewalls that you cool. pointed out, which Perfect. I agree with 100%. So yep. it, there's a couple of premises we have to agree on. So not me and you, but the whole community, right? So number one, number one. Is it unified to, namespace or namespace though? That's the name, real. Namespace, one, one word. Okay. Um, I'm going to spend the rest of the call doing that, or rest of the Q and A doing that. I want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, every every we have to understand what it is the what we're trying to achieve. What's the goal? Okay, so if the goal of Industry 4.0, it, 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 we we have to agree what the goal of the fourth industrial revolution is. Okay, so that what that goal is is that we want to make up fully a fully integrated business made made up of digital factories. It's not just digital factories; it's digital warehouses. It's digital supply chain. That's really what it is. I focus on the factory piece, okay? So what does that mean? It means that everything and everyone is plugged into the network. Number two, it means that the layers... Can you share your notes again? Because it'll be easier for me to, to follow. Oh, I'm not sharing again? Yeah, there you go. Oh, there sorry. You, it um, disappeared again. Yeah, let me go ahead and share. Zach, was that being shared or no? That's right. on That's on me. I didn't know you were going back into the presentation. Oh. There we go. Okay. Can Thanks, you, see, can, you yeah. see, can you see my notes right now? No, no right now you're just sharing your, uh, you're sharing what you're seeing. Hey, can you see my notes or no? No. No. All right, Zach, you, come on, man. My, <laughs> no, it was, no, it was good. You, you, you stopped, sh you stopped it sharing. Stop, stop caring. Okay. <laughs> All right, killing me. Look, I, I, I think I can keep up, but you know. No, no, the notes are good for the notes are good. at home. Yeah, well, that's the other part as well. Yeah, it's, this is going to get hot and heavy. So, all right, there it is, right there. Okay, so can you see that? Yes. All right, cool. So, if we agree that the goal is 
th- th- these are these are the goal. Everything and everyone's plugged into the network. The layers of the business are integrated and operate based on data and information from all the other layers in real time. Again, these are not just internal pieces of the supply chain, right? Stakeholders know the state of the business in real time, both internal and external stakeholders. Stakeholders know the future state of the business in real time. We leverage technology to collect and analyze data and information. We'll use machine learning to predict future outcomes based on past patterns and current state. Artificial intelligence will recommend operational adjustments from those ML outcomes, and stakeholders will decide whether or not to execute. These are not just internal and external. They, these are internal, external stakeholders. So some important definitions real quick. Industry 3.0 was the automation of manufacturing processes, right? And if you look at the current Fortune 500, the vast majority of the current, current Fortune 500, they've mastered this, mm-hmm. of aut- the, the process of automation manufacturing automating and manufacturing. Industry 4.0 is the digital integration and automation of business processes. It's not just taking data and turning it to information. It's really about achieving the goal of automating our business processes, both internal and external, right? So, so yep. that's how potentially, that's not the goal of Industry 4.0. Sure, what, what, what do you believe the goal is? Um, Fundamentally, we, we got to revolutionize manufacturing. So if we're going to revolutionize manufacturing, then we got to pick, you know, two or three top goals for what needs to change in how we think about manufacturing. Uh, and the, the simple thing I always go back to from my training is waste. Um, and not just I throw it in the trash can. I mean, the, the seven sources of waste from a lean perspective. And if revolutionizing manufacturing to remove the waste, again, think about a value stream on the shop floor at an ecosystem level, that to me sounds revolutionary. Now, can you get there with tech? Absolutely, it's, it's, it's what's driving this, but we've got to talk about what's the ultimate goal. We could digital, digitalize everything. So what? What, what, what are we going after? What's the real goal? And I don't think we are agreed on that, and I've just taken a, you know, a stab at it there. So it, good point, but uh, digital transformation, let's get that last definition in, which is, you know, it, we're going from manual or paper processes to integrated digital processes. So the process of going from an industry 3.0 manufacturer to an industry 4.0 manufacturer, that is what digital transformation is, right? IIoT is just the, the ecosystem. So, so we so, have some... So, so let me, because this is this is my, my core business, right? Let me just talk about three for a second. In, okay. in, in your world, if we're talking, and I don't want to limit your world because I get the vision, right? And I love it. Um, yep. Let's say we're talking about smart factory, right? Um, now, I'd add to your list on the left that a, a goal of that has to be that that smart factory becomes a node on a value exchange and not a node on a supply chain, right? That's that's what Musk is going after. Then we talk about digital transformation. Digital transformation is happening at the economic level. It's not happening. It, it needs to happen at the plant level, right? And if, if, you, if we define it as what you've said there, I think that's fine and that's... Let's kind of put that as your universe. The universe that I'm working in or going after is how do we join that to the economic shift that digital is causing across the whole ecosystem and world, even just the industrial ecosystem, right? And that's where I, I always want to be talking about value and growth and not just digital transformation from a pure tech perspective. What it, and, and I, Go ahead and contrast the difference. Uh, it's It's sort of... The, the how and the what, right? Um, so the, the, the goal 
for me, right, the history, and you've, I think you've, you've probably seen this video, the reason everyone started getting crazy about digital transformation in the industrial world was because of what was happening in terms of valuation of companies. So in, industrial companies fell off the most highly valued companies in terms of market capitalization. Warren Buffett correctly pointed out the reason they started falling off was that the capital allocation, how you built a business, fundamentally shifted with the age of the internet. And platform-based businesses started taking the top slots, right? Eventually leading to GE falling off to the last industrial to be on the Dow Jones, right? Falling off. And I saw all the comments about Imold, and we can talk about that another day, in, not in public. Um, but the digital transformation at an economic level, even for industrials, was about valuation and how you build a business. The shift from having to own capital assets, high capital barriers of entry, to a case where you don't need to actually own the assets anymore. That's what scared the crap out of industrials in 2016. That's what kicked off so much of the discussion. Now, to compete in that world, like you said about Facebook, yes, those industrial businesses need their supply chain, need their factories to be digitally enabled. I'm not saying no to that, right? Um, but you've got to marry to that a platform business strategy if you're going to digitally transform but doesn't, it. But doesn't that assume, that isn't, and I don't disagree in, uh, in theory, but doesn't that assume that manufacturing as a service will become the rule and not the exception? I, uh, I, yeah, but why won't it? No, I'm, I'm asking the question. Uh, so what I'm learning, so so serviceization is one of the things that we do at Chakra. What I'm learning is that's a spectrum, um, and it's it's never as simple as one or the other. the The question I help industrials figure out, to use another Tesla-ism, what is the value exchange that happens between you and your customers today at first principles, right, yeah. all the way back to so, Zach? Let him finish, please. Sorry. Um, and if we can understand, because most people, like you said, right, let's not throw all the executives out with the bathwater, but a few of them, a lot of people have forgotten why customers actually buy from them. What is that initial value exchange? And then we evaluate that value exchange with a digital mindset, right, with some of the technology that has proven out and is growing and growing and growing. And then we make sure that we enhance that value exchange Serviceization is one mode, but there's simpler models as well, where it, sometimes it looks like vertical integration, sometimes it looks like an ecosystem. That we've, And we've got to start playing with those business models now so that all the investment we're making in the technology has an ecosystem and the relationships to plug into. That's a great, that's a great point. Go ahead, I mean, Okay, yeah. So what I was gonna—I I forgot. I'm—I'm I'm controlling the stream here. I could just put—I could just kick you guys off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, um, so uh, Boeing is a perfect example. A Boeing could make the best airplanes. They might even get, you know, an order of magnitude better at making better airplanes. But if Starship, but if you look at first principles, the value exchange of what Boeing in in its aircraft business does for its clients. You know, there's the whole airline industry in the middle of that. But at the end of the day, they're taking customers from point A to point B. So if there's a whole new model, there's a paradigm shift where, you know, they look at it from first principles. Well, how can we move someone from Los Angeles to the other side of the world in 30 minutes, not, you know, 20 hours? It doesn't matter how fast you make the airplane. People are going to go to a different solution. Right. You know, I think that's kind of what you're you're kind of getting at is or or 
VR, right? People might not even be traveling anymore. They might just be going virtually to other places, which would even eat into Boeing's profit, right? No, I, I think right. that, and I believe, here's what I believe. I believe in order to believe that manufacturing is a service, okay? So if, we, if, if all manufacturers move platform-centric and, and manufacturing as a, as a service is going to become the rule instead of the exception. So that is, and for those of you that don't understand manufacturing as a service, I'm a manufacturer of widgets that I, I have a value proposition for the consumer. I'm not actually involved in them. I'm not making them myself. I'm the value I provide is the idea, the engineering, the the specification, the standard, and someone else is making them for me, right? And then the it becomes more about the data and the improvement and the data I send to the manufacturer who's going to continue to improve the manufacturing of those processes. I don't accept that manufacturing as a service will become the rule instead of the exception, and for many reasons. Most of it's centered around my personal experience within manufacturing and actually a great use case from General Electric, which was GE learned that outsourcing the manufacturing of their, um, that outsourcing the manufacturing of their products now um, was actually drove them out of being, or or drove, drove them out of the market, specifically centered around water heaters was now the water heaters weren't smart and they weren't connected to the manufacturing through smart telemetry. But GE themselves learned, and I think Matt Paris is on here. You know, he's with the higher group. They they learned themselves that the value of taking have having taking people, the brain trust of the organization, and putting it next to the manufacturing process. the The fifth industrial revolution is all about bridging the gap. Toward the fifth industrial revolution will all be about bridging the gap between the important the importance of presence being physically at a production line or physically at plant A in order for me to provide value to plant A and and blurring the lines between presence and um, and presence that is virtual presence the fifth oh, industrial I, revolution I, mean, I, I think yeah. it's important because we've got probably different definitions of, of as a service and when I talk about serviceization so um the, the way I explain it to to large companies, is is less about outsourcing manufacturing it is actually about keeping everything together so what digital transformation born out of the, out of the consumer space led to was this ability for people to erode your value stream your full value i call it the value pie right M- most people buy equipment from manufacturers or buy stuff from manufacturers because they design it the best they make it the best absolutely agree you don't want to outsource your your core um skill set if you're a manufacturer they install it the best, they validate it the best, they warranty it the best. They get expensive when it comes to service, so they service it the best for a while and then they boot them out. Right? M- most, if you look at big, large industrials, most of that value pie, where they're making margin and profit is on service parts and labor. Um, and if you're, the way you maintain that pie used to be having high capital barriers to entry, i.e. You, you own the production facilities, you own the means of production. The internet has challenged that so how do you keep that pie together and i'm with you it's about keeping it all together you start to talk to your customers about exchanging value for that whole pie and not just a single transaction for hey i sold you a piece of equipment and you gave me dollars back does that eventually lead to the full serviceization of manufacturing i'm with you absolutely not does it mean we've got to start thinking as an ecosystem of thought leaders and manufacturers about platform-based business models and how other communities exchange value and what does that mean for supply chains Absolutely. 
Isn't the end game just? Let me let me answer. Let me answer. I want to finish my my comments here, but I want to answer Satu's question here, which was speaking of ecosystems and value chains. What's the role of a product manager in Industry 4.0? Great question. At Tesla, at Amazon, the the role of a, a product manager is a data analyst. Um, so their their core their core competencies is all about the analysis of data. Um, product managers are no longer focusing on um, marketability and market analysis and reliability and quality. They're focusing on analyzing data. And, and, and they're using real-time data to drive the improvement of their products. That, that's the role. I mean, if, and, and if you look fundamentally, if, when, I, when I go in front of an organization and I say, what's the value of digital transformation or Industry 4.0 to you? The reason you need to digitally transform is because if you don't, you're not going to be business full stop, period. Okay, you're either going to get acquired, you're going broke, one of the two. Num number two, the value of industry 4.0 to you, which is digital transformation gets you to the this holy grail here, is that you're focused on all the wrong things, okay? Reducing waste is only the first step. It's literally the first step. It It is, you, that's a that's an apple you pick off the tree through the process of digitization, right? Reducing waste. Not not across the, the ecosystem of supply chain. We're, we're, that is a huge problem. And that, that is the, how we the, think about the way, But I, I think I'm, I'm hoping what you mean is, is that the waste, the process, the waste, wasted opportunity within the, within the supply chain by speeding up the process. Are you calling that are you calling that a reduction of waste in terms of wasted time? Or are you talking about physical waste? I'm talking about the seven sources of waste from lean, which I'm, I'm not going to be able to list off without notes. <laughs> but it's stuff like it's it's wasted time, it's movement, it's waiting, sure. right? It's it's everything. And if you look at that from a supply chain perspective, and that's where I love you took my supply chain and made it more circular. Like that's one, one of my feet is always in the circular economy community because of this problem. Um, and it aligns very well with, to me, true transformation. Um, it, it is all those sources of waste. It's not just, hey, did I scrap it or did I rework it? It's what's waiting, right? Where am I? Why is it too much motion, right? We, we talked about apparel. How long does it take to make a shirt? Why is there all that time? Why did I get my shirt when someone parallel parks across the Suez Canal, right? Why can't it just be printed or whatever made in my local store, right? Um, that's what I talk about waste. And that's where... Industry 4.0, we've got to revolutionize how we think about our supply chains and the role of manufacturing. So let me market. let me take a look. I'm gonna let me drive home my point, and then we'll we'll kind of close out the, the we we can further the conversation. So for what I talk to manufacturers about is this is what digital transformation for an industry 3.0 company looks like. You got to share show my screen, Zach, please. All right. So on the left, this is the iterative process, which everyone, if you're in mastermind or anything, you see this all the time. You know, we, the DTMA here is this little we are here, right? Where we're evaluating the organization. Um, one of the things that I would say I would, I think that's kind of becoming apparent is the approach that we take to digital transformation is a grassroots ground up. We, we include the leadership in the organization, the leadership in the organization as part of the discussion, but only for strategic purposes. We don't try to convince the leadership of anything. Okay. There's no... I, I, we don't try to convince the leadership of anything. What leadership res, respond to one of two things: either people who are really, really good at selling them on ROI of some specific use case, and that just means you got to be a great salesperson to do that, 
or they respond to in to trends in increased value. They respond to one of two things, right? I focus on the latter. Provide the value, demonstrate the value of an approach, and they will fund it, right? So the 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 it, the, the digital transformation process is left to right. 3 3.0 to 4.0. Some companies start, they build from scratch here, that's Tesla, okay? You have to inventory the business, inventory the intelligence, and start connecting all, making sure the intelligence is connected to the network. Intelligence is not just PLCs. It's human beings. It's software. It's everything. This is where you're defining the digital strategy, the architecture, the technology, and defining what your proof of concept is going to be. Proof of concept is important for two reasons. Number one, you want to get in the, 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 the infrastructure to go through this iterative process. I'll use the Facebook example. What Facebook did was they did a proof of concept. They provided value to people, connecting them all over the world, but they built it on top of an infrastructure that would that would make their business viable long term. We're doing the exact same thing in digital transformation. Mm. We're using an infrastructure, a specific infrastructure to provide value that will then serve this iterative process down the road. Digital transformation for an industry 3.0 company trying to achieve the industry 4.0 uh, milestone is you, it's all about expanding the collective knowledge of the organization exponentially. What we want will change because what we want is a function of what we know. And then we have to quickly expand what we have. At the end, what you end up with is, and there is no end in digital transformation, you're a technology company with, who uses real-time data-driven decision-making. Products get better after the purchase. Technology drives collective knowledge. Business gets better by changing how we operate based on what we know. we now know. This is the iterative process. We present information, we learn, then we come up with something else we want, and we expand. All within the same infrastructure, that technology stack. But let me let me start with this. I want to use this. I'm walking just real, real quick because I, I do have a hard stop, right? Yeah, so. yeah let me. But I I I got I want to deliver this last piece. You want to no, take no, no, down? Let, let's just let, let me finish my sentence. So I, I've got about ten or fifteen minutes. Um, so I, I want to keep going. Uh, I think this is great. I'm assuming your audience will will stay on. Um, and and look, I'm sold on what you just showed me. I just want to make sure we have a chance to talk about between what I do what my company does and the success we've had likewise for you guys where is the middle ground and where can we start to to pull everything you're doing up get get at the visibility like what i do is it's very bouncy between grassroots and you know shop floor top floor whatever you want to do but there's definitely gaps and i think there's some really interesting collaboration here that if we assume okay unified namespace is is correct and i'm not the expert to say that if we assume DTMA and your definition for your universe of digital transformation is correct. Then if we assume, if we, if we agree that there's a broader ecosystem play here, which I sounds like you, you fully agree with, then where do we need to start iterating together and bringing these two worlds together? You right? start, we start by not fighting the theoretical battle, number right. one, but winning the results war. You take the approach that I just showed. Okay. And what we do is we take down your virtual firewalls by providing value with the digital transformation process from the inside out. So you use the make pillar. And when I, when I watched this video, we were watching earlier, I, I saw it for the first time today. I said, listen, there's, there's a key point that's being missed here. That is, if you, if you go out here, if you go out here and I say, I've got to go ahead and make the value proposition to take down these value firewalls. 
you're going to spin your tires because 90% of the people you're never going to convince. Most of the people who are going to allow you to do this are going to be industry 4.0 startups. So you'll, 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 you'll put forth all your effort fighting a theoretical value, which, is, which really means you're trying to justify the value of knocking down this firewall. Remember, executives respond to two things, right? So they respond to your ability to be a really, really great salesperson, or they respond to trends in value. So what we do is we create the trend in value by providing value with digital transformation from the inside out. That's what we do. I want to point out something here real quick. The use case we're going to release this year is for a, a, a big company, a company based here in Dallas, Texas, that we've digitally transformed using this methodology over the last two and a half years. Today, as it stands right now, they were a fully manual company more than two years ago, a little over two years ago. Today, they are fully integrated through nearly every stakeholder, including the customer. So not just the raw material suppliers, not just the, 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 out, the quality firms that are doing their quality testing, outsource firms, not just their CRM, not just the ERP, not just their internal stack, but fully integrated, fully integrated, and they still haven't spent a million dollars yet. They're just about to hit the million dollar spend. Amazing, and, but, but yeah. give me a chance to, to, to come in because it's, it's a little- Please, I'm all done. I'm, I'm, right. I'm off my soapbox. So, so theoretical, we don't have time today. I'll send you a bunch of stuff. I'll prove to you that that's not theoretical. And, and I, th those value firewalls with my firm we're knocking down today. And no, no. If someone, if someone disagrees with you on theoretical, if you don't have, if you don't have results that's specific to their business, right? So, 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 it's let, theoretical. Let me, let me, so, but we, we haven't actually talked about if I have delivered these results or not, if my firm has or not. So well, you're we, not, you're not selling it to someone you're not tr you're not trying to sell that value proposition to someone you've already delivered for you're trying to sell that value proposition to someone else using the example of someone you've already delivered for correct no 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 so so here's what we do so let's focus on the right um so let's say you take a large industrial company and they are digitally transforming through dtma through intellic and it's a two to three year journey right that's not unclear on how long this stuff really takes right um and doesn't end never well yeah but, but but we got to you know to a point where you want to go have a conversation with a customer right um i know you guys are fans of an iterative approach to everything what, what i do what my firm does is we look at all of the work that's been done across the digital transformation or the digit what i would call digitization what you call, guys call digital transformation and we just hand pick a few use cases and say these are the ones where we can now show value on the right hand side of this flow chart now can we put that in context of what the consumer cares about and then can we go meet some consumers so we facilitate between manufacturers and their end customers those early conversations and we ensure that when we're iterating working with companies like yourselves on the integration side when we're in, or doing the iteration, when we're building out the industry 4.0 image, are we getting voice of customer? Are we feeling the pain points? Are we really understanding what that new relationship looks like on the right-hand side of that flow chart and adding that iterative feedback into a industry 4.0 or industry 3.0 to 4.0 transformation? So that when you're ready, the consumer conversation, the business model conversation they're actually, you're going to start getting paid for the value you've invested in your industry 4.0 transformation. So it's, it's not theoretical. It's, it's very much what we make real.
What I'm saying is, is that internally, in practice, I hear what you're saying. What I'm saying is that internally, in practice, you can get bogged down. You can get bogged down in, um, in theoretical battles with the customer, with the internal stakeholders, if you haven't first provided value for them, not the industry or some other, you know, similar industry. No, Agreed. they. Yeah, right. You can get bogged down in those theoretical battles. The results war is what I'm talking about is when the res we what we try to do is focus on winning the results war. Right. We win the results war by use by proving that the technology driven value by implementing the technology while solving known problems. One of the things that we talk about all the time, and I see this in the top down um, approach. I'm not saying your approach is top down, but, you know, you're you know, you're a Wharton guy. You're, you know, you're comfortable in the boardroom. The, 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 you, without getting OT adoption. So that is, if you don't get adoption to any technology from people on the plant floor by providing, by solving their problems first, like, and anybody on this call knows operators do not use software because someone told them to. Operators use software because that software provides value to them. Okay, yeah, that like it's, it, it, it's, it's parallel. First of all, I, I should really correct it. I did a Coursera course in operations management at Wharton. That's why it's on my LinkedIn profile. I'm definitely not a Wharton guy. I, I'm an engineering technician who used to build panels and work my way up through the corporate ladder. So I get it. All I'm saying, and I, I, I don't think there's actually a disagreement here, is that if you think about an MVP approach, mm -hmm. you can turn the theoretical into real value pretty early in the transformation journey and go have that conversation with end customer. So what that means for the types of transformations that we drive is I teach the VP of operations, say for a large manufacturing company, what do you care about? What do you run your business on, right? And it's typically quality cost delivery safety. Great, let's grab your QSTC dashboard and let's go show it to the VP of operations of the person that you sell your equipment to. He might show you yours. Great, now you start talking about value. And then you ask the question early in the transformation process, hey, VP of operations at my end customer, I'm going to really start focusing on improving these metrics. I've got Walker and his team in doing whiz kid wondery and transforming my stack. But when it gets there, these metrics are going to look very different. But you can't buy from me like a commodity buyer if I do that. I want to know if I do all that, and we're talking about quality cost delivery safety and probably add sustainability now. Can we have a different conversation about how you buy from me? Right. That's the tick mark I want. That's what Chakra does early right. in the process. But isn't that that is inside out though? And well, at least in some in in some you're you're using realized value to drive the conversation, right? Is is that what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I think it's it's right. it's more a case of how quickly, and I argue it's much quicker, it's way quicker than the monoliths tell us. But how quickly can we look at, and typically what I find is actually, it's a process engineer who taught themselves Python, is a de facto data scientist. Data science is a mindset, not a qualification. And they've proven things like how to predict failure on an asset on their desktop or on their laptop. That's the stuff I want to lay as a value point and say, right, now we've got to scale that, right? We need good tech. We need smart people to scale that tech. If I can take that little proof point and I'm, you're right, it is, it's got to start inside and then go out, get the head nod, that worked. That's something they care about, and then bring it back in. And that just lets you 
the, the, the loop, your, your iterative loop at the end of the process? Absolutely. I can just tune that with some uh, feedback from the market. That's sort of what I'm talking about. And guys, I, I got about three minutes and I got to go. Um, yeah, let me let me before let's 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 uh, let's button it all up. Let me I just want to ask you, there was something you said just a couple minutes earlier where you said digital transformation is digitization. Um, no, that, that, that's no, okay. I would have said they're different things. All right, got it. All right, got it. All right, <laughs> exactly. I just want to make sure. I didn't I, I think... saw the look on your face. I was like, I think Walker misheard me. No, right, I, I didn't think that. you thought, I didn't think you thought that. All right, cool. All right, so hey, Luke, let me let me say this in summation, you we uh, I we focused on the where the areas where we disagree because that's more fun for the audience, but the reality is is that it's there's 90% congruency here in terms of the approaches. And and I agree with you 100% that we have to figure out a way to take the approach that you and your team at Chakra is taking and the approach that our the team at the Intellic Integration family, you know, the 4.0 solutions and our family of businesses take. And we have to figure out a way to unify those so that you end up with like this two-headed monster that's just like mowing through these the, these large organizations and lowering lowering the total cost of ownership for digital transformation and speeding up the time to value which is something you pointed out exceptionally with the two terms they use all the time in the in the last couple of minutes is there anything you wanted to plug any you know i want to i want to thank you for coming on and and humor in the community and and letting us you know interact this way i we've never done this before and and we really only thought this morning hey let's do it and have and you know create this awesome conversation but is there anything that you want to talk about? Any, you know, can we plug anything for you? Um, um, I, I think you know, Zach pulled up the, the website, and I, I think the simple way for people to understand it, because I loved that that summary. Right, there is so much fun here. Right, I was looking forward to this, duking it out. Okay, what's where, where do we have common ground? What's stuff that will get everyone excited in terms of where we have contention? The reality is, there's this. This stuff typically takes like four parties. Right, you've got a customer, you've got management consultants. You've got integrators and you've got a tech vendor. That's never going to change. Now, what, what do you want to do differently? And this is why I wouldn't accept the Wharton uh, comment. <laughs> right, good. We want to neither take neither would I. <laughs> right. And, and it's funny because I got dinged enough before. And it's like, I took a Coursera course. Coursera puts up there weird. But yeah. we want people with dirt under their fingernails, which I probably have today because I was probably working on my truck or something, um, in those positions, right? We want the, the VPs with our customers who came from the shop floor. Yes. We want management consultants, plug, that's what I do. I, I don't like the term because it oversimplifies, but we want people setting the strategy with dirt under their fingernails who don't like being on carpet. Yep. We want to partner. It's, it's not a, this is not linear, right? Always we're talking about circular stuff. We want an, an iterative partner in the SI community who understands this, right? Yep. If you came from a trailer park and you've got a sky high IQ, yes, perfect. I'm, 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 I'm all in, right? I think that's, right. these are the kind of people <laughs> we got to work with. And then who are the tech vendors? Who are the startups, right? And I know you, you work with some of them and I see them as well that have the, the, the same, it's the same group of people, right? Who are either in this industry or frustrated by the monolithic bean counter approach. If we can get those four stakeholders together, pick an industry and it'll be revolutionary. And that's what I'm excited about. Exactly. Hey, Luke, I appreciate your contribution to the community. This has been an, an, an immense amount of fun. I look forward to talking to you again in the future. I'm actually going to ask the team to reach out and have us talk face-to-face, -face, you know, one-on-one -on -one, um, to, to kind of close some loops. But I truly appreciate your participation, man. Community, I, if you guys like this, please Chakra uh, give, give us a thumbs up. Yeah. Do me a, and do me a favor. Please make sure you go and watch his five-minute video 
on his channel to get him the traffic and check out his website. Luke's been doing a phenomenal job uh, contributing to the community and the Discord. So I, I truly appreciate your participation, brother. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Take it easy. Be safe. See you guys next week. Bye. Take you all. Take you all.